Hi there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to the Living the Sky Life podcast. I'm a very tired and oftentimes overwhelmed autism warrior mom who has navigated the ups and downs of this puzzling disorder for 16 years and counting. My hope when creating this podcast was that it would serve as a vessel for connecting families with special needs children so we may share experiences and resources. But even more importantly, I want to create a community of support for one another through the tough times, which we know there can be many, and to celebrate the achievement of milestones, big and small, of our amazing kids. So thanks again for joining me on this journey and for tuning in for this episode of Living the Sky Life. My guest today wears many hats. She is a psychotherapist. She is a wife of 25 years to her husband, Paul, and she's also the mom of two sons. Her oldest son, Aaron, um, is 25 years old, and he is on the autism spectrum. She is also an author. Um, We'll get into a little bit about um, Keisha's book. Um, It's called Aaron and Me, Our Journey on the Spectrum which is written from the perspective of her youngest son, Bryant, and his relationship with his older brother, Aaron. So please enjoy my conversation with Keisha Pruden. So today I have the pleasure of talking to Keisha Pruden. Um, Keisha is a psychotherapist, a mom of two sons, one of which is on the spectrum. She is an author. There's all kinds of hats that Keisha wears, so I'm excited to get into some detail and talk to her today. So Keisha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. Um, I want to get into the children's book that you wrote in in a little bit, but I guess stepping backward, um, can you talk a little bit about your son, Aaron, and um, his journey on the spectrum and your journey as well um, with finding out his diagnosis and all of that um, and when that came to be? Okay. Well, first he's he's 25 now, so it's been a long journey. It's been a long journey, but I can remember uh, it. We started around a year old. Uh, he was talking, you know, a year, you know, when you're a year, you have a few words and he had mm-hmm. those few words. And um, at like many parents um, of children on the spectrum, it feels like all of a sudden, and I know it wasn't all of a sudden, but it really felt like all of a sudden he lost every word. And so we took him to his pediatrician and his pediatrician said, oh, he has fluid um, in his ears. We'll just drain the fluid and he'll be fine. He'll go back to talking. So we got the um, fluid drained. And so my, my husband and I were younger parents. We were 22 at the time. So we were just like, okay, you know, we trust the pediatrician, um, but he did not talk. Uh, so, you know, we were like, okay, what do we do now? <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I just come from, you know, a family of helpers and, you know, counselors, social workers. So I immediately started at that time it was over 20 years ago. So I, I did what limited research I could. And we live in rural um, eastern North Carolina. And the research took us to Norfolk, Virginia. And we had him tested at the Children's Hospital of the King's Daughters. That's like a premier um, Uh kids hospital here on the East Coast. So we took him there. And around, I want to say maybe 16, between 16 and 18 months, he got his first diagnosis of expressive um, language disorder, receptive expressive language disorder. And it was like, okay, here we go. Let's go. And from there, 
time he started getting um, in-home therapy, speech therapy, um, he went to um, daycare, specialized daycare around age, I want to say around age three. Uh, And and at that time, um, they were called child development centers uh, here in Eastern North Carolina, and they specialized um, in helping children with developmental issues. And from there, he went into pre-K at age four. Uh, And at that time, he did not have um, a specific autism diagnosis. It was still the excessive, expressive receptive language disorder. And so that's what we had on his IEPs and and different documentation. He did not receive an actual diagnosis of autism or actually Asperger's until his speech therapist, who is Sue Hunter, and we we love her. She's just been, you know, an awesome advocate in his life. He was around nine and we were in the IEP meeting and she said, you know, guys, you know, I think I know what's going on with Aaron. And we were like, what? Tell us, you know, what? (laughs) And she said, I think it's Asperger's. And she gave us the, you know, the criteria. And my husband and I were sitting in a meeting like, yep, yep. You know, she would just say it. Each criteria, we were like, yes, yes, yes. And, you know, even the team members were like, yes, yes. So we did the um, autism, the the Gillum scale, Uh uh, which a lot of um, people do a a lot of, uh, you know, therapists and um, evaluators do. Of course, he tested high. And then that is when he received at the age of nine his autism diagnosis. And so he was already in, um, already receiving services, you know, with his IEP. So we just continued on um, with his services. Um, and so that he was nine when he got his first autism diagnosis. So when he, um, you said he had some words and then, you know, lost all of his words and you started the whole process of finding out exactly what was happening to his language with the speech therapist coming into your home, did he slowly develop um, his speech again, um, bringing him to able to be mainstreamed and I mean, you know, fully functioning in public school or his school system at his age level? Actually, the... Let me see. Oh gosh, it's been so many years ago. I, I want to make sure I have everything <laughs> right. The speech therapist came when he started school at age four. The uh-huh. occupational therapist came when in in the home and when he was going to the child development centers because other symptoms and we didn't notice at the time. Other symptoms of of autism include uh, a difficulty with um, motor skills. So he was having problems zipping clothes, buttoning clothes. Um, he had an unsteady gait. Um, so these things were going on. So he was having those issues and having those services. So he was slowly improving in those areas very slowly. But, you know, we were just encouraged. His speech actually did not return until he was, I want to make sure I got it right, five. So that from age one-ish to age five, he was not talking. And that, that was a rough four years. Um, he would grunt, he would point. Um, and the speech, again, the speech therapist, you know, Sue, when she came into his life, um, she just, she's very instrumental um, in helping him to learn his words. 
And I tell the story all the time because it's just, um, it's, it tells so much about uh, autism and what, what you're aware of as a, a parent, what you're not aware of. When he was in pre-K, um, he would fall out every day in the lunchroom. Every day when it was time to leave, he would just fall out and no one could figure it out. Um, again, because he didn't have words. Um, but like the last day of pre-K, he was, you know, falling out. And they were like, you know, Aaron, what's wrong? And he looked up, he said, I'm hungry. And those are the first two words that he had spoken in school. Aww. And so that's when, you know, we were like, oh my God. You know, everybody was like, oh my God, they called me from work. You know, I was over, they called and they were like, Aaron, talk. I was like, what did he say? They were like, he said, I'm hungry. And so we're like, oh, he's hungry. That's why he was that's why he was falling out at school. So from then, from four to 18, he took his lunch to school every day. Uh, every day. If I could have said anything and you would have been melting, you know, and getting that yeah. call from the school. Oh, my gosh. Yes, he spoke. Right. So from then on, you know, his speech um, slowly but surely uh, improved. But, it, you know, it was a struggle. It really was a struggle. Isn't it crazy to think, um, and I'm sure with what you do for a living too, that all of that was in there. It's just, it was just finally a connection between his brain and his motor skills with his face and his muscles to be able to say what it is that he wanted, you know, and just, it's so crazy how they, they act out because they have no other way of really showing their frustration that we don't understand what they need. So, and it's, yeah, it's like just in the early years, what the you know what the teachers uh instructional partners they would say we know he's smart we just have to figure out how to help him share that we have to figure out how to get it out of him because we know he knows and that you know, and and what i learned when he was younger helped me as a therapist later on with autistic clients or you know or idd clients um you know um, children with intellectual, you know, developmental issues. What I, you know, so sometimes you have to go through things to learn things so that you can help other people. Um, and that is exactly what happened in our case. We just had to figure out because it is autism is a wiring issue. It really is. When I explain it to people, I said they're just, their brains are wired different and we have to figure out how they're wired so that we can meet their needs. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's got to be so nice for those families to be able to have a therapist that they can relate to that really understands what you're going through, um, you know, what they're going through at the time and can put yourself in their shoes. <laughs> it's really rare to find that. So I imagine you're a great resource for a lot of families. I think it makes them like the the way I see it is or the way I've actually, you know, actually seen is they like it's a sigh of relief. They're mm -hmm. like, oh, my goodness. You know, they'll just start talking. I said, oh, I get it. And I'll just say, you know, my oldest child is on the spectrum, so I get it. And when I say that, they're like, okay. And it's like they can sit back in the chair and just say, well, just tell me. You know, just tell me what to do. Or they'll say, well, then you get it. Or they'll say, I trust you then because I, I know that you know. And then I'll just start writing on my sticky notes because I have sticky notes for everything, every size, every color. And I'll just start writing. You know, this is what you need to do. This is what's going on. And, you know, so I'm a guide of sorts um, for special needs families. And so, you know, that's part of what I do in my practice, too, is, you know, I do IEP reviews and 504 reviews and I go to the meetings, and, 
just things like that, just to make sure that, you know, whatever our babies need, they get. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's so. great to have an advocate. Uh, that'd be really nice <laughs> to have around you know, here. Everybody had like that, just a perfect world. Everybody, every child would have it all the time and all the school systems would be knowledgeable and would give you, you know, what's mandated by law. That's a perfect world. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, and, and that's what, you know, we, we as uh, special needs families say all the time that it takes a village mm-hmm. and you, oh, that would be a yeah. crucial part of the village to have somebody with medical knowledge as well as, you know, personal knowledge to be able to walk families through IEPs because those are a tough situation. You get kind of, you know, over overpowered sometimes in those meetings as a, as a new parent, especially with a young child, you have no idea what your rights are and what you're able to contribute and, and say no to. So to have an advocate with you is, is hugely important. And I think what happened, what, well, what was a blessing for us was that when right when he you know right when everything was going on I decided to go back to school for my master's and thankfully my master's is a dual master's um, because I initially when I graduated with my undergrad in psychology I was okay I want to be a substance abuse therapist and the school I wanted to go to East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina, go Pirates. Um, (laughs) They have a dual master's in substance abuse, clinical counseling and rehabilitation counseling. And so the rehab counseling part, they teach you all about um, how to advocate for um, people with disabilities. So they teach you about the IDEA and they teach you all the rules. So by the time I graduated with my master's, I knew the rules. Aaron was just starting school. So we were starting the IEP process. And so I was going into the process, not afraid. Mm-hmm. I was going into the process saying, okay. And, and it's so funny because the first one, I think maybe the first couple of ones we went to, you know, the teacher sat beside me and she patted me on the, you know, on the hand and she was like, it's going to be okay. You know? And I was <laughs> like, I'm fine. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you know, I'm fine. I, I know she what's going said, on. You know, brace yourself, sit back. Cause I know a lot. <laughs> brace yourself. And by the time Aaron, um, went to, um, his transition meeting, um, when he was a junior, the case manager, when I walked in, she was like, I told y'all she was coming with a binder. <laughs> it's like I told them. and so that's you know that's just the way it's it's been um so um it's it's been a blessing to know because not only have did I gain the knowledge for myself I gained it for a lot of kids here in this area and because we're rural we're rural area not a lot of parents are aware of what their rights are so you know I'm just an information hub I just give out the information that's my job I give out the inf- that's it well, with Aaron's, so with his development, I would imagine he, did he graduate from high school and, um, you know, now that he's 25, what is it that he um, is, is doing currently and what is he passionate about? He did. He graduated high school and that was a great accomplishment because of course, you know, when they're younger and again, this was, you know, 20 years ago when things was, you know, when a lot of things were not known about autism. So people tell you what they know. So people were saying, you know, he's never going to be able to take care of himself. Um, You know, you might as well get him a disability check and things like that. And I just come from, you know, a strong family and we just never believed that. So we never structured his life in that way. So we're always teaching him. So by the time he graduated high school, 
he was able to, you know, to basically he had the independent living skills. He could do laundry. He could take care of a house. He could, you know, um, budget. He could do those things. And so with the transition period, you know, that starts when they're 16. So, well, baby, what do you want to do? He said, well, I want to try college. So, you know, his transition team and myself, you know, worked together and he went to college for a year. And, and also he worked, he worked while he was in high school and played sports. Wow. Um, he did those things, you know, with supports, because like you said, it takes a village. Mm -hmm. So his job was right down the street from school. So he would get out of school, you know, this was after football, he played football. So at the football season, or at the track season, he would get out of school and he would go to work and then, you know, then we would pick him up, you know, and then he would, you know, go, we would go home. So he went to college for a year and then unfortunately we could, we couldn't afford it anymore. And the school was awesome. It's Lewisburg College in Lewisburg, North Carolina. And it's a two-year two school, and they have a special program for kids with ADHD, autism, and other issues. And they're super, super awesome, but super expensive. Mm -hmm. So he had to come out, and he went to the community college for a year. And then and he worked. He worked at Food Lion, too. So he worked full, full part-time, went to school part-time. And then he was like, I, I need a break. He, he was like, it's just been a whole lot. And so that for me, for me, that was, you know, telling for me because I had to slow down and I had to back up because I'm a type A person. <laughs> and so I had to realize that, okay, maybe I'm, you know, the expectations I had on him was too much. Maybe I was pushing him or maybe he was doing things just for me to please me. So then I backed all the way up and I was like, take, take your time, take time off. You know, it's not like your income is, is, you know, needed, you know, we just wanted you to work to because to, the goal is independence yeah you know the goal is independence so he did that so now fast forward um he's working again he's the office assistant actually at um my job and that's it's hilarious because <laughs> uh, my boss because i'm the clinical director for a mental health agency um in addition to doing private practice stuff so she came to me about six months ago and was like i, I want to talk to you about something and I'm sitting there like, I was like, what did I do? And she was like, you, you didn't do anything. Cause you know, I'm, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm opinionated. So I was like, what did I do? And she was like, you didn't do anything, but I want to, I want to run something by you. And I said, what? I said, I, I said, what? She said, I want Aaron to come to work here. And I was like, you do? And she was like, yes. And I know he'll do a wonderful job because I know you guys have raised him well and have trained him well. So do you mind, you know, if he comes here, she's talking over with Paul she said, because I know you, you know, as a family, we discuss things as a family and she is absolutely right. We do not make a move um, independently without discussing it as a family first. So we all discussed it and he's been um, working and it's been working out well. He, he likes it. Uh, he feels productive. He likes being around people. And so it's been working well, but with Corona, you know, and it being a mental health agency, um, we have not been open, um, but, you know, the past few weeks, but, you know, he's looking forward to going back to work. So he's working. It's, it's possible with supports. Well, and I know you have um, a younger son, Bryant. What is the age difference between Bryant and Aaron? Oh, gosh. Bryant is 16. Okay. <laughs> so, so there's a, a good gap there. Okay. 
Yes, so yes. well, so then um, if I can do math, so <laughs> Aaron was still pretty young when uh, Bryant came along, but how how did Bryant adapt to um, Aaron and and some of maybe the quirks that he has or you know some of the assistance he needed that maybe you know Brian didn't need? So Bryant is very bright. Um, and he, and he's gifted and ADHD. So that's just another blog podcast within itself. <laughs> um, it's, it's like, oh my goodness. But uh, so early on, he, he realized that there were things going on. And as a family, we discussed it openly, like this is what's going on with your brother. So he's been fiercely protective of mm -hmm. Aaron the whole time. The issues that Though the one issue I think that has been prevalent throughout the whole relationship is that Bryant wants to always be around Aaron. He wants to spend time with him. He wants to hug on him all the time. And for Aaron, Aaron values his privacy and his space. <laughs> so what Bryant would look at as, you know, Aaron doesn't want to spend time with me or he doesn't love me then we would have to have those conversations where you understand that with his autism you know he you know would prefer to be alone sometimes mm -hmm. or he would prefer you know not to be hugged sometimes and it's not that he doesn't love you it's just that that's what's going on with him and so those are continual conversations um that we've had to have over the years and i think both of them more understanding um, and Bryant has tried to make connections according to their common interests mm -hmm. and so that's how they spend time together with the Pokemon Go and the video <laughs> does Bryant play football too oh yes and they were both they're both linemen um, and so their dad was a lineman and they're both linemen and so they connect um, um, with football too and um, Aaron gives him you know Aaron gives Bryant tips and they're out in the yard especially now doing drills and so I think Bryant just you know looks up to to Aaron as far as you know what he did in football and he wants to you know be a good lineman too and so th their their relationship is is typical it's mm -hmm. very it's very typical and those are a couple of the things that, that I highlight in my book is I wanted to, to show people that you can have a typical relationship, even if one of the siblings is autistic. Yeah, and, and that's a perfect segue. I want to talk about your children's book. Um, it's mm -hmm. called Aaron and Me, Our Journey on the Spectrum. So yes. what, you know, made you want to write that book from, as a children's book, from your kids' perspective, I guess? I, I, can we say that it's from their perspective? That's it kind is of the take I took when I read it, but <laughs> no, it's you're absolutely right. It's written from Bryant's perspective. Mm -hmm. So, and and I, when I tell people they're like, okay, and and the idea really just came to me one day, and I was sitting on the side of my bed, and I grabbed, of course, my sticky notes because they're everywhere, and I just started writing the dialogue to the book, mm -hmm. and. The idea, the reason why I, I really push forward with the book is one, I wanted young children to understand what autism is because I wanted them not to be afraid of anyone on the spectrum. That's one. 
I wanted them to have a clear understanding. Two, I wanted as a result of them to read, of reading the book, I wanted them to engage more with their autistic peers, form relationships, and understand that, you know, they can have meaningful relationships with people on the spectrum. And then three, I wanted families of color on the spectrum to see other families of, of color on the spectrum, to see us out there because you don't see us. We're not in research, we're not in literature, we're, we're not in a, a lot of things you see. So I wanted, you know, I wanted us to see us, um, not just surviving autism, but thriving despite, you know, the issues we may encounter with autism. So that's my, my you know, reason for writing that book. And I've submitted my second book, because my idea is to have a three book series. Mm -hmm. So I've submitted my, um, manuscript for my second children's book and I'm waiting to get my first draft from my illustrator. I'm excited about that. So you didn't do all the illustrations? I, I was just going to give you credit for that. <laughs> oh no ma'am. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm, I, I do stick figures and that <laughs> Me too. No, no ab absolutely not. Um, and that also was divine. I, my, one of my nephews I asked, uh, he graduated, um, with a graphic design degree. And I was like, do you know any illustrators? You have to know illustrators. And he was like, oh yeah, I have a friend. And it really was that easy. And he gave me her email address and I was like, this is my idea, what do you think? And she was like, oh my God, I have a brother on the spectrum. I wanna do this. And I, I sent her like for each page what I wanted to see. And she sent it back exactly, you know, like I wanted it. And, you know, that, that was it. And so I asked her to, you know, will you illustrate all, all my books, uh, you know, all my, you know, Journey on the Spectrum series books. And she said, most definitely. Are so, they all going to be children's books then? It's going to be a series of? Yes. And okay. this, the next one is going to be from my husband and my point of view. So that's um, Aaron, Mommy, and me. I mean, Aaron, uh -huh. Mommy, and Dad. So, yeah. I love and that. So have you had an opportunity to um to take those books into your local elementary schools and schools and and read those or give them to the teachers how how best would you find that the audience for these books uh you know if teachers would go out and purchase them if other therapists and counselors would purchase them you know to help spread the education when they're young so that you know your message resonates with families at a young age it has been fun Mm -hmm. It has been so fun. Um, the local schools here have been really receptive and I go out and I read and they ask questions. The kids ask questions because it's written for kids kindergarten to second grade. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really, you know, it's really simple. And, you know, like I'll ask before I read, like, what do people, you know, what do y'all, you know, know about autism? What do you think it is? And then after I read the book, I said, now, what do you guys think about it? And then they share, you know, I have a sibling or a cousin or I know someone and, you know, and then we just talk about it. And I thought, I want, I don't want you guys to be afraid. It's, you know, you don't have to stare or be afraid. You know, they have some of the same interests. Um, so you know, it has been, um, it has been fun. I, and, and like you said, therapists, um, and teachers have been really receptive librarians, you know, they want the book, you know, in the schools. Mm -hmm. So it's available, you know, for, you know, any child that, you know, wants to read it for free in the school. So it, it's been an awesome experience.
That's great. And, you know, one of the, um, with, with my book just coming out too, it's not a children's mm -hmm. book, but um, that was, you know, one of the markets that I really want to focus on is counselors, like, especially high school counselors or therapists, because, you know, my children are two years apart and um, mm -hmm. my daughter's in high school and my son is on, on the spectrum is 17. And it's been a lot. And I don't know if it's just because it's, it's a daughter, uh, you know, it's the sister of a child on the spectrum and not, mm -hmm. you know, two brothers, but mm -hmm. it's been emotional for her. I mean, when they were kids, it was fine. I mean, she knew things were a little different, but she still tried to play with him normally like they would. And she was his right. biggest champion and, you know, would introduce him as, you know, my brother has the autism and stuff like that. <laughs> it was kind of funny, right. but, um, but, and then as they've gotten into teenagers, you know, she's just really annoyed with him, just everything being about autism and being about him all the time. And I don't know that counselors and therapists at school um, realize sometimes that families have a special needs child if the, if the, um, the child doesn't bring it up at school, that they have issues at home that maybe they wanna talk about. So maybe if they had some insight as to you know, Bryant's perspective or my daughter's perspective right. on having a sibling that they could use that with other kids that have a, a, a sibling that has a disability of some kind to kind of break through to them a little bit. There's just so and, much unspoken, I guess, is my point that people don't know what's why going your book on. Is so important. That's why your book is so important because I, I, to be honest, as parents, we do focus so much on the child with autism that the other siblings can feel that way mm -hmm. and that can also happen too with therapists and teachers and counselors at school it's you know the other siblings can be forgotten everywhere they are and i know i'm i'm perfectly honest when i share that when i found out you know i was pregnant with bryant that i was afraid mm -hmm. i was afraid to have another child because my focus, I was so laser focused on Aaron that I was afraid that Bryant would not receive the attention that he needed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because we are, you know, a family of faith, I just prayed. And I said, you know, God, just please surround us with a, continue to surround us with a village that will help us to raise our children in love and that neither one would ever feel neglected. And, you know, that's what has happened. And so both of them have received, you know, our attention and, and so much so that we were at a camp for my youngest son one time. And um, I was talking to the coach. It was a football camp. And he asked something. And I said, no, I have two children. And he said, you do? <laughs> I was like, yes. And he was like, oh, my God. I thought, I thought Brian was the only child. And I was like, no. So we're just like really intense with both of our children. <laughs> well then he probably got a look at Aaron and was like oh man can he play for us too you know having oh two big strong like, linemen oh, he? <laughs> I was like he's grown <laughs> so he's grown <laughs> so he was like oh okay um because yeah. yeah yeah my boys cut they're big so yeah well I just think you know th that's what's so important about your book um there just really isn't many resources for children you know for parents right. to go and check out books to read to their younger kids about you know siblings or or just anything with having to do with the autism spectrum and i think more and more are popping up books like yours that are so helpful but if we can teach them at a young age about acceptance and about inclusion and all of those things by the time they travel with your kids all through all the grades to high school 
you know, being a student with Aaron is even a big deal. They probably forget all about him being on the spectrum and they just, you know, right. assume that he's just like everybody else, which is what we want. You know, we don't want our kids to stand out with a scarlet letter or some sort of, you know, right. characteristics that push them to the side. It's not, it's not fair. So we I, want I the empathy. Work. That's what my book is about. It's about starting the process early of introducing empathy. Mm-hmm. You know, and not just, you know, inclusion, but true empathy and acceptance. So that, like you said, you know, because I know when Aaron was, you know, going through school, he did experience a lot of um, isolation and bullying. And I wish that books like this, you know, were around earlier so that kids could just have a better understanding and, um, and, and not engage in those things. I mean, he had people that were friendly and, you know, that type of thing and would help him out if things, you know, would arise. But I do wish um, that he, he, you know, the books like this were around earlier mm-hmm. to help well, out. You know, and you had mentioned, obviously, you have a very strong family. It sounds like mm-hmm. you, you, I love that you, you know, said that you, you guys make every decision as a team and that you're very unified. Um, yes. You know, do you have any suggestions or advice for families, you know, maybe with a young child that's newly diagnosed or even those of us with, you know, children that are older, um, if just how to, how to maintain the, the family dynamic. And, uh, you know, as well as I do that along with a diagnosis like this can come a lot of stress, a lot of sleepless nights, sometimes, you know, just all kinds of behavioral issues with, with families and, it's so easy to throw in the towel sometimes and, and just kind of, you know, retreat and, and just give up right. um, trying to maintain a healthy marriage and a healthy family unit with all of this going on. Do you have any advice for how you and your husband have been such a strong team? I do. Um, and not that, you know, I'm just like an Oracle or just the, the, <laughs> expert or anything like that it's just that with my husband and I we decided early on that we're gonna you know take who's with us and go and Mm -hmm. everyone else you know they just will fall to the wayside and we won't focus on that our mission you know has been to ensure that Aaron has you know his vision his definition of a meaningful day our you know our goal is to make sure that Aaron is okay and if you would, us fine. If you're not, that's fine too, but get out of our way. So as long as we are on that one accord, you know, we've always been okay. The only, and I'll tell anybody, the only thing that we have really disagreed on when it has come to Aaron is where we will live. Because <laughs> I didn't, we, we're from here, like Eastern North Carolina, and I did not want to stay here. That's the honest God's truth. I, I you know, because I did my research, because I'm a researcher, I'm type A. And, you know, so I researched the best places to, to be, you yep. know, for to thrive, womp, womp, womp. Been and, there, done that. <laughs> yeah, right. And I presented them to my husband. I was like, this is what we should do. And this is where we should move. And he just kind of looked at me. He was like, nope, we're going to stay here. And I looked at him like, I can't believe he said no. <laughs> and, you know, because I did my research, so I'm right. And he was like, no, Aaron needs to be surrounded by family and he'll be fine. He'll be fine. And he, you know, he was, he was right. He was 100% right. And especially now with our parents, you know, um, you know, being older. And so we're helping, you know, with them 
so it really it really turned out fine yeah. that decision even though I was you know I was mad for a little while but <laughs> I will admit when I'm wrong and I was wrong with that and I'm glad I'm glad we stayed here at home and he was surrounded by family and he you know was blessed with every person and every resource that he needed so that for and for couples because the the divorce and separation rate for special needs um, parents is higher than the national average. So what I, you know, have told other couples is just make sure you have time uh, for yourself, you know, time individually as, you know, as individuals and time together as a couple, we've always made sure that we had that. Um, But, but, and we've been able to do that because we have family that would keep Aaron. You know, the, you know, and I know and I understand because of, you know, their it, the autism is a spectrum issue. So there might be, you know, varying issues that family members might not be able to care for your child on the spectrum. And what I say for that is to do research mm-hmm. and to see if there are respite programs. A lot of times our kids can qualify for um, respite programs. Yep. And so you can take advantage of that and you know go out of town for a couple of hours or a weekend or what have you and get that time away because you need time to decompress from it you need time away from from the autism for a bit and that's just the truth yeah you're no good to anybody else when you're overwhelmed and exhausted (laughs) right yeah and you have to spend a lot of time not being anal about it but you do have to spend time self-reflecting you know is everyone getting what they need in the family I ask, you know, my, my kids and my husband on a regular basis, are you getting from me what you need? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I give them time to think about it. And, you know, I said, you know, you don't have to tell me right now. Think on it and, you know, come back to me. Uh, and, and so it's it's those regular conversations. It's the family meetings. It's, you know, it's the texts. You know, are you okay? What's going on? And, and so that's that's how we have been able to maintain stability with our family over the years not saying it's been perfect because you know we've had some you know some issues every family has issues Mm -hmm. but that's how we've been able to maintain and that's just you know some ways i just encourage you know families to just you know the but the main thing though laurie the main thing is to gather your village Mm -hmm. and go and don't worry about the naysayers don't worry about the people that are trying to tell you how to raise your kids. Don't worry about the ones that say, oh, they don't, <laughs> they don't have autism. They'll grow out of it. We have, we've heard all of it. He doesn't have autism. He'll grow out of it. He needs to be raised better. He needs to be worked with better or just beat it out. We've, you, you, you say it, we've heard it. And so we just learn for it to be white noise. You just let it, you know, roll. And if it doesn't fit within our our mission and our vision we discard it mm-hmm. and we keep going yep you and can't let families that have to do. bog you down yeah and if you if you don't have family that is supportive look outside your family and build your village don't just look to your family look outside your family family yeah, and, isn't always blood and you had you had mentioned respite and and for mm-hmm. those of us who have no family nearby, um, my family's in Michigan, so they're mm-hmm. several hours away. But um, you know, respite 
sometimes works out and sometimes doesn't. But another um, avenue that I didn't even think about until a few years ago when it was mentioned to me is mm -hmm. um, to go to the local colleges and the, the students that are in um, graduate programs or even undergrad programs to be special mm -hmm. education teachers or therapists, um, PTs, OT, speech therapists. A lot of times they need hours or they need, um, you know, they want to have clinical experience with with kids and, and um, you know, depending on the age ranges that they're willing to see, but to reach out to the schools and see if anyone wants some hours into mm. to meet your child and to, you know, be a babysitter in a sense, but I hate calling it babysitting when they're 17 years old, but, um, you know, to just work with your kids. With. Yeah. Because they, I mean, they just get book, book knowledge on special needs and autism and all of those things, but I mean, there is nothing that compares with real world experience when you're having to you know, change the pull up of a, of a teenager or you know, right. someone beating on walls. And I mean, they need to know what they're kind of getting into. So right. that's another resource possibly for people in their area. That is a good idea. Thank you for that. That is, yeah. I never thought of that. That is an awesome idea. <laughs> they may only meet with your kids once and then they run, but <laughs> at uh, least you got one night out if, before if, hard, <laughs> find someone stay, else. if their heart is in it. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, is there anything else you wanted to, to share or leave the listeners with? I will definitely be linking your Instagram page and your um, Amazon link so that they can have quick access to purchasing your book. Um, and, you know, I just encourage everyone that can think of a school or a therapist or all the avenues that we mentioned, even a church group that um, wow. has a special needs, you know, carve out of a group within your church community to, um, you know, to purchase both of our books, but um, to, to make sure that you get it in the hands of the people who it can really, really make a difference with. Um, Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, if I, if I could just say one, one last thing, absolutely. do not be afraid or ashamed to reach out for help mm -hmm. because now there are a plethora of organizations and resources to help you through this journey. And yes, it's, it's a very hard journey, but it's a lot more out there um, now than when we were going through it, mm -hmm. you know, for, especially for children. Um, adults now is still a, a bit of a struggle, um, but I, I would tell anyone just getting a diagnosis to, you know, go ahead and cry, go ahead and grieve it. And grieve the child that you you felt like or that you saw in your mind you're going to have and then go ahead and um, reach out for help absolutely I, I love that it's a great great message and a, and a great um overview on everything because it, it it can be overwhelming and, and no one mm -hmm. should just kind of ride this ride alone right so need support and partnership along the way so kudos to that <laughs> well uh, i greatly appreciate you being on the podcast. I'm so excited that we've connected and um, I look forward to, to talking with you much more um, in the future about our adults because <laughs> like yes. you said, there is so little out there still. We have a lot of work to do so that when these parents with young children are at, in our shoes, then everything will be paved for them as well. <laughs> so I pray so. I pray yeah. so. And I look forward to us having future conversations. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Thank you. Absolutely. Take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. 
If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.